When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Do you like boats? Do you like big boats? Do you like poor people and the rich people they serve on big boats? Are you always like, what goes on below deck? Hi, this is Anna Hosnier. And Nick Turner. The hosts of Deckheads. And we want to take you on a fun and goofy adventure. In this binge-style podcast, we will watch and recap every episode of Bravo's Below Deck and all of its spinoffs. And we're going to release an episode a day so you can watch along with us and listen to our silly daily recaps. Listen to Deckheads on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. This is Kristen. And this is Molly. So, Molly, a few months ago, we uh, did a podcast on a little term called the lipstick indicator. Yes. And in a nutshell, of course, you can learn more details in the podcast, but uh, in a nutshell, lipstick indicator is this idea that in the downturn economy, the sign of um, people's shrinking budgets are um, a rise in certain certain goods. Mm-hmm. And so according to this lipstick indicator, they're saying that uh, since women can't, you know, buy, go out and buy ourselves pairs of $2,000 Manolos, um, we still can't afford certain small pick-me-ups such as lipstick. So they're saying that when the economy goes bust, the sales of makeup and especially lipstick go up because we need something, a quick pick-me-up, you know, to make us feel like we're on top of the world when we have no money at all. (laughs) But I also think that to many women, lipstick is just an absolute must-have. You know, they may cut out their lattes, they may cut out the big shopping sprees, but so many women will not leave the house without lipstick on. Yeah, my mom won't. I mean, Chris and I are not good examples of this. I don't know if we're the the most qualified people to talk about lipstick, but today we're going to try. Because I hate lipstick. Never wear it. (laughs) Or chapstick, but not lipstick. I remember one time I got one of those kitty makeup kits, which are pretty common. Like, I think young girls, one of their first, like, sort of transition into adulthood toys is like a makeup kit. Was this when you were a child, Polly? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'll make that clear. Yes, I just bought an intro to makeup kit. Um, No. I remember I had a friend come over and she was very expert. She obviously had a, a very a keen eye for watching her mother in the mirror. So she was applying makeup like this little adult. I took the lipstick and just drew a line down my head yes. and then kind of drew like things under my eyes. I was just sort of using lipstick as my, you as had- my brush and my face as my canvas. <laughs> so you had no clue where lipstick went. That's awesome, Molly. Well, I think I knew where I went. It just didn't please me aesthetically the way drawing it all over my face did. You're a renegade, Molly. I am a renegade because most women during history have known exactly how to do this, even when they didn't have the nice convenience of lipstick in a tube. Mm-hmm. Even when they had to make their own, they did it. Yeah. Um, a lot of the history of lipstick uh, starts with Cleopatra, obviously, you know, the most most famous and last pharaoh of ancient Egypt and a famed beauty, famed beauty. And she wore, uh, she wore lipstick made of crushed ants and carmine in a base of beeswax. 
So, I mean, that's that's a commitment to my lipstick I'm just not willing to make. Crushed ants? I'm not going to crush my ants up. But women as far back as 3000 BC were mixing up ingredients that include things like seaweed, um, bromide manite, which was halogen and alcohol sugar, Ooh. and it was very toxic, um, with like red clay and iron oxide, a.k.a. rust. So they're mixing all these just ingredients found in nature together, um, especially the upper class women, as, as coloring for the lips. But Molly, the person who was credited with creating the first lipstick that was actually a stick was a dude. Really? A Muslim Andalusian known, uh, his name was Abu al-Qasim al-Zarawi. I hope I'm pronouncing Maybe. that correctly. Um, uh, he created, yes, the first stick lipstick around AD 900, and he created a wax base for the pigment. He perfumed it and pressed it into a mold. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and lipstick remained pretty popular with women, uh, throughout the Middle Ages. But then, um, its popularity began to wane when it became, became associated with, uh, prostitutes. And lower class women. You know, we've talked about a lot of fashion trends that the upper class has really pioneered. Lipstick's not one of them until we get, um, until the 1500s when we've got Queen Elizabeth who, as you may have seen, had a very pale face mm-hmm. and set it off with very dark lips. Yeah. And her lipstick was made from beeswax, and I like this crushed dried flowers, such as roses or geraniums. That sounds kind of nice, It actually. sounds really delightful. It sounds like lipstick fit for a queen. <laughs> but, you know, every now and then you'll still get back to this sort of lower-class prostitute thing to avoid. In fact... Um, in the 1770s in England, basically there was a law that said that women who were wearing makeup were witches. Yeah, witches, not just witches, Molly, but witches who attempted to lure men into marriage and could be burned at the stake for it. How dare they lure men into marriage? Yeah, that's, yeah put on that lipstick and watch out. <laughs> um, and uh, then during Queen Victoria's reign between 1837 and 1801, women who wanted to color their lips would uh, rub them against dyed crepe paper or ribbon, and some would uh, sneak preparations purchased from France or elsewhere because there was still this, yeah, the kind of a weird attitude about about lipstick always being kind of associated with, um, I guess, sex, pretty much. Yeah, but you know, women are always willing to kind of bend the rules to get it. Yeah, and then uh, then the tie began to turn in the late 1890s, and then Sears and Roebuck offered um, a uh, rouge for lips and cheeks for the first time. In, in their catalog. And then when we have the rise of uh, movies, the film stars would have to wear lipsticks because on the, the black and white um, film, their their lips wouldn't stand out unless they would wear the strong um, lipstick. And I'm sure that the male actors probably wore lipstick as well. Hee hee. Oh, celebrities. Mm-hmm. But they were really the ones who cemented the modern push-up lipstick tube. It's commonplace by 1915. And after that, it really never goes out of style. And now it's sold bukus and bukus. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I didn't know this, Molly, but uh, Max Factor came along and invented lip gloss in the 30s. I didn't know about that. And during World War II, not surprisingly, a lot of lipstick ingredients like petroleum were unavailable. So um, you kind of see a drop in lipstick because it was scarce. But then by the 1950s, with stars like Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor, um, these very like glamorous actresses um, wearing lipstick, it came back into vogue. And, you know, red is always sort of the the most popular color. And it wasn't until the 60s that we see trends in clothes and other types of makeup changing. Um, and that's from the 60s on, you start to get the really, you know, crazy colors, frosted lipsticks and pale pink, lavender and white, you know, very 
jar of lipsticks. It just, you know, it keeps evolving. And now we've got a whole rainbow. The rainbow, the lipstick rainbow was evolving. And of course, I don't want to leave men out to this fabulous yeah. article that we have about how lipstick works points out that there's a little term called man stick mm-hmm. uh, for men who wear lipstick. They might be trying to go for some sort of androgynous rock glam vibe. Channeling David Bowie a little bit. Yeah. Some of that. But, you know, what exactly are we putting on our lips, Kristen? Or not putting on our lips in, in yours and <laughs> mine cases. cases. What are we missing out on, Molly? Well, we're missing out on crushed beetles, cow brains, and uh, petroleum. And fish scales. So fish scales. I'm not too worried about it. But have no fear. These are not dangerous. Let's talk about what's in lipstick. Yeah, let's talk about the ingredients of lipstick. Um, yeah, basically, lipstick, a tube of lipstick, is a compressed tube of waxes, oils, additives, and pigments that not only give you color, but also moisturize the lips. Because you don't want, you know, dry, cracked lips with color. You want, we want them plump and, and moist. So we need the wax because it's going to stabilize the stick and mold it into shape. And we need the oil. And this is where you might have cow brains come in because a very inexpensive oil can be extracted from it. But after dangers from mad cow disease, they don't use certain cows anymore, mm-hmm. according to this article. Um, but anyway, the oils and the fats in the lipstick keep it just the right texture so it's soft enough to apply, but firm enough to keep it from melting unless you leave it in your car. And then in addition to that, Molly, you've got um, emollients that make the lipstick even more moisturizing for your lips. And that might include stuff like vitamin E and aloe vera. But, you know, people aren't really buying lipstick for the wax. I don't think they're buying it for the color. And so that comes from a combination of plant, animal, mineral, or synthetic ingredients. Mm-hmm. Now, Molly, we mentioned uh, crushed beetles um, earlier mm, as, yeah. as one ingredient. Yes, delicious. Um, now, the beetles mentioned in, in, in that are, uh, are the source of color, often listed as carmine or cochineal extract. And cochineal extract, Molly, um, refers to insects that are killed by steam, and then they're dried, powdered, and processed to create a bright crimson dye. That's non-toxic and non-cancer. Unlike some red dyes used in the past, such as uh, probably, I don't know, putting rust on your lips. That probably couldn't have been too good for you. Um, And then you've also got preservatives like alcohol and other ingredients um, and also sunscreen and fragrance. Yeah, they can add all sorts of things to lipstick. Yeah, and and so they they mix all this up. Mm Mm-hmm. And they heat it up and, uh, and they make sure that the, the color is consistent, that you have a good smooth texture. And then, um, it's pressed together into the tubes. And it's basically like making crayons. Yeah. So they'll take, um, they'll make sure everything's mixed, like you were saying. And then they put like hot oils in it. Wa- so it's mixed with the wax. Mm-hmm. And then they pour it into the molds and they just chill it till it's firm. I mean, it sounds, you know, pretty easy. Pretty easy. It- in fact, Molly, it is so easy that we could be making our own lipstick right now. That is true. This article, How Lipstick Works, has three recipes for how to make your own lipstick, which might be really important if you want, you know, an organic lipstick, mm-hmm. if you are opposed to using some sort of, you know, wax that's derived from an animal product. Yeah. Um, it's apparently very easy. Should we share a recipe? Let's share. Uh, I, I like the very berry lip gloss because it is so seems so simple all it is is just a cup of berries such as cranberry blueberry raspberry boysenberry um and uh then you have some aloe vera gel or petroleum oil and you measure it out in a liquid dropper and then one teaspoon at a time you smash your berries into a paste and watch out for berries with seeds because you want to get rid of those seeds um and then with a dropper you add the gel or the oil until you have a glossy consistency 
and then you're done. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would make it to the final step. I, I have a feeling I'd eat the berries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, women kind of inevitably consume a lot of lipstick. Yeah. You I mean, it when it's your on lips. your lips, it kind of gets eaten in small amounts. And there's this claim out there that women who use lipstick consume between four and six pounds of lipstick a year. A year. A year. I mean, imagine if you're dieting. It's a lot of beetle shells. Ruins your diet. Um, but this article does point out that there, there's no scientific studies to prove this. And it seems a little ridiculous if you consider that the average lipstick weighs less than half an ounce. And to, in order to consume four pounds, you'd have to eat at least 118 tubes of it. I mean, I don't know. I don't wear lipstick, but do you really even buy 118 tubes in a year? I don't know, Ma. I mean, that, yeah, you'd, you'd have to be going through in order to use all of them up. You'd have to either just be gobbling them down when you put them on because you'd have to eat like one a day. I mean, lipstick a day. Maybe that's where the lipstick away. indicator gets so strong because now we use it for food. <laughs> maybe so, Molly. There you go. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's something we need to need to look into. Lipstick food. Um, but, but there are there are a bunch of uh, different types of lipstick. You might think a lipstick is a lipstick, but indeed, no. There are many varieties out there. That's true. This may seem pretty basic to people who actually do wear makeup, yeah. unlike the two of us. But you know, it's a whole new world for me and Molly. <laughs> if I were ever to go to the store to say buy a lipstick, I would have no idea what to do because you go to that aisle and there's a bazillion things. Yeah. Um, first thing, uh, I would probably stay away from, me personally, for my style, I'd probably stay away from the matte. A matte lipstick is the strongest, darkest color of lipstick. And that's because um, instead of being shiny, they actually deflect light. And these are going to be your longer lasting um, lipsticks. And uh, they might not be as flattering for thinner or wrinkled lips because they don't contain as many moisturizing ingredients. But if you want a punchy color strong color, then uh, and that's what to go for. Matte might be the way to go. But if you do have those thin lips, then one option you might consider is a lip plumper. Oh, yeah, these are kind of odd to me. They're <laughs> designed to make your lips look fuller. Yeah, but they and they do that by actually irritating the your your sensitive lip tissue, so that you're you're basically inflaming <laughs> your lips to to make them a little more Angelina Jolie esque. Yeah, you're basically using you know ingredients might be like ginger, cinnamon, cayenne, or menthol, and so you kind of feel like a tingle but some people have really bad reactions to them and there's like burning and pain so i don't know i probably would just eat like a really spicy mexican dish and and have the natural effect then willingly buy something that's going to hurt my lips like that or if you want um if you want a little bit of uh uh carrie fisher in <laughs> star wars <laughs> five you can get some some hot lip gloss yes these have a little bit more oil than the regular mattes mm-hmm. that makes them so shiny and sometimes sticky if they've got flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're usually transparent and the colors are lighter and they rub off easy, but you're getting a lot of moisture. Some people use both a matte and a gloss to get the best of both worlds. Huh. Deep color and shine. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, if you want something kind of in the middle of a matte and a gloss, you want something a little, little punchier than a gloss, but not quite quite as punchy as a matte, you could go for a cream. And these uh, lipstick creams contain more wax. Um, and so they, they actually protect the lips better than, um, matte types of, uh, lipstick. But they also result in dry lips because of all that wax. So you might need a layer of moisturizer and then your cream and then, and then, and then. Who knows? This is why we do not go to this aisle, but apologies if this is elementary to you. Did you know about shimmer? Is this the frosty stuff? This is the frosty 70s style lipstick? Yeah. And do you know how they make it so that it's all kind of sparkly? Diamonds. 
I wish that would explain lipstick prices in some ex- uh, to some extent. But no, they're using mica, silica, synthetic pearl, and sometimes fish scales to get that light reflecting look. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, we have the long wearing lipstick. And these are the ones that you see advertised a lot, at least on the commercials that I see. You know, like you want the long lasting lipstick that's not going to rub off every time you take a sip of your coffee. Um, and these might contain silicone oil to seal in the co- color. But because these are, these are long lasting kind of sturdier formulas, they might dry, dry your lips out. So you'd probably want to do a two part system of a base and a gloss. Once again, all these layers of stuff on your lips seems like a lot of work. And, um, you know, there's a section in this article, how lipstick works that we're using for our source today that explains how to put on lipstick, uh, the ideal way to do it and all these tips. Um, that section we decided is not really going to translate well into a podcast. Yeah. So you can um, check that out on the, on the article. But Molly, you even know, though, like- even though I did want Kristen to like try to put it on so I could describe what she was doing, <laughs> I thought that'd be like a really cool sort of radio thing. But whenever I put on lipstick in the rare, rare occasions that I do, it just ends up all over my teeth and in places that it just somehow shouldn't be like, it'll be on my cheek somehow. I don't really know like how I'm so terrible at it. But Molly, I gotta say, you know, I like your lipstick method. Just the old school, just line down the face and, uh, and call, call it a day. Just express you know? yourself. Express yourself with your lipstick style, whether you want a cream shimmer, a gloss. But you know, why, why does this matter so much to women? Obviously we, you know, like I said, we've said many times, we're not really maybe the ideal people to talk about it, but you can't deny that this is like, a huge thing for women. Yeah, we've been wearing it since 3000 BC. It's kind of, you know, obviously there's got to be some reason why why women are wearing it. I mean, first of all, you know, women think that it makes them look more attractive. There's a theory, you know, that younger women have, you know, redder, uh, more supple lips. And so older women will want to wear lipstick to give them that youthful cherubic glow. Whereas, you know, teenagers who are just getting to start to wear makeup for the first time are wearing it to look older. They think it's sort of like this entrance into womanhood. So we've got these people both trying to look older and younger. And younger at the same time. But then on the other hand, there's another theory um, that lipstick merely emphasizes our sexuality. So maybe this is common knowledge. I was not aware of it, but the article points that if you amp up the color of your lips by putting, you know, a, a rosy color on it, then you're basically trying to mimic uh, your genitalia. Yeah, the color of your genitalia. Yeah, I had never heard that theory either. But an interesting thing is I was talking to my, my friend about, uh, about this article and this idea, um, of the, you know, the color refle- reflection emphasizing the sexuality. And she actually said that, uh, that was the reason why her mom discouraged her from wearing lipstick in the first place because she thought it was just, you know, it was just kind of trashy. Mm-hmm. And I bet that, that idea of kind of overemphasizing like the female sexuality is uh, one of the reasons why it came in and out of vogue and because it was associated with, um, with prostitutes. Yeah. And there are some women who say that because you're only putting this on your mouth to make a guy think of your genitalia, that it's just a patriarchal trap. You know, you can go very extreme on this viewpoint and say, you know, just the fact that lipstick exists, it was invented by a man, mm-hmm. that we're putting it on just to... Um, to satisfy their gaze. Yeah, to satisfy the male gaze. But then you've got people, this was really interesting to us, um, suffragettes wore it specifically because it wasn't, you know, a nice thing to do. Yeah, that was in, what, like the early 1900s, they would put it on, you know, as a way to to stick it to the man. Yeah, and also I think that we were reading about how in the 1980s it became sort of this armor 
you know, these women were trying to make their way in the business world sometimes for the first time. And you would think that rather than deflecting that male gaze and, you know, trying to fit in and be one of the guys, it was a way to emphasize their female appearance while still, you know, maybe becoming more aggressively female than they were used to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of lipstick definitely has a has an interesting and, you know, I don't know, contentious history because we we like it and we and we lo- loathe it. Well, we loathe it more than others. But, you know, there are some places where it's forbidden to wear it. So just the fact that we have the option to love it or loathe it is mm-hmm. sort of a big deal. Yeah. Don't want to take that for girl myself. You know, I like to keep it simple. You know, I just feel, I think because I'm not used to wearing it when I put it on, I just feel like too flashy. Yeah, me too, Molly. Whenever, yeah, whenever I feel, go out with lipstick on and like the two times it's happened in the past five years, I, I feel very obvious. I feel like I'm almost like attracting too much attention because my, my lips are so bright. But of course there are other women who just, you know, as I said, can't leave home without it. It's, you know, it's an essential. Some women rock the lipstick, some women don't. But now we know what's inside of it and where it came from. And the fact that we've been, women as a whole have been wearing it for a really, really long time, which I think is pretty darn interesting. It is. You know what else is neat, Molly? When we hear from our beloved listeners. That is true. So today I would like to read an email from Jessica. You know, after we read some viewer mail, our listener mail about our online dating podcast, we asked for horror stories because mm. we were getting a lot of really good success <laughs> stories. Really sweet stories. We want, we want the, the bad stuff too. So this is Jessica's and, um, a guy contacted her. He looked cute. His profile matched what she was looking for in a guy. They chatted online and over the phone for a couple weeks and then they met up for coffee. Now, his profile had said that he was 24 and 5 foot 7. His photograph showed him with a gorgeous dark ha- head of hair, friendly white smile. Yes. The guy who showed up, Kristen, was 5'3 or 5'4 at most, balding, had yellow teeth, and he looked like he was in his late 30s. Um, now, maybe she could have gotten over that, but he ended up spilling his coffee on her. And... That ended up being a blessing in disguise because she used it as an excuse to leave. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're gonna date, do the online dating. Just just be honest, you know. Because if you do eventually want to meet up with someone, it's gonna be really awkward when uh, you know you don't look like the photo taken eight years ago of you. That is true. Yeah, and somehow you got shorter. Yeah, just don't lie. Don't lie. All right, let's do one more. This is um, feedback from our podcast on high heels. And this is from our listener, Vanessa, who is currently living in Korea. And she says that in Korea, women wear impossibly high heels all the time. Like we're talking wearing stilettos on the beach and on the hiking trail. So apparently because these Korean women wear high heels just all day long, they overdevelop their calf muscles. Now, this is something Vanessa says that she would not mind, but Korean women do immensely. And um, already plastic surgery is pretty big in Korea. So now they have this new surgery that Vanessa thinks is pretty crazy, calf reduction surgery. Um, women pay doctors a lot of money to remove muscle from their legs. And it's becoming really common. So everyone wants these skinny bird legs without giving up the ridiculous four-inch heels. Hmm. Pretty insane. But here's something we haven't done in a few podcasts. Uh, Vanessa also sent us her reading list. Awesome. First up, we've got The Beach by Alex Garland, which she found first peerage the movie. Jude the Obscure by Thomas Hardy, Hocus Pocus by Kurt Vonnegut, The Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie, and Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Awesome. Well, folks, we love to hear from you. Please write us. We want to know your thoughts. So send us an email at uh, momstuff at howstuffworks.com if you got something to say to me and Molly. Hopefully it's nice. Um, and as always, you can check out our blog called How To Stuff, where we talk about how to do stuff. 
And if you want to read the article that we uh, were referencing today, um, it's called How Lipstick Works by Shanna Freeman. And you can find it and a lot of other stuff on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben, dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.